Welcome to the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast, the show for anyone wanting to be on the cutting edge of SaaS tech sales. We provide the tools you need to take advantage of the rapidly changing sales environment. We bring you the leading experts on the front lines of SaaS sales and distill down our famous masterclasses into bite-sized practical tips. Your hosts will be Ash Ali and Matt Milligan. And on this podcast, we'll be helping you transform your ability to sell more so you can smash your targets. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast. And I'm delighted to be joined today by another mightily impressive sales leader from our network, a sales leader who actually shares the same office building that we do here at UHubs. Today's guest is the VP of Sales of Hakodo. Hakodo is the buy now, pay later platform for B2B. Nazri, great to see you. For those listening to this who aren't already connected with you via Pavilion or, or one of the numerous communities out there, if you wouldn't mind just by kicking us off and telling us a, a little bit more about who you are. And I always like to ask, you know, what was your journey into the sales profession like and how did you end up where you are today? Brilliant, Matt. Thank you. And thanks for having me on the show. Really, really excited to be here. So yeah, as you introduced me, I'm currently the VP of sales at Hakoda, which is a buy now, pay later solution for, for business buyers. I've been with them for about six months now joined just at the point of the Series A fundraise, which was back in the summer of last year, and seen a lot of change over that time period as well. But that sort of gives me the passion to do what I do, because I've always been in, in organizations as a salesperson, whether it's early stage, startup, first salesperson on the ground kind of roles, and seen the whole thing kind of build up from the bottom up. But I fell into sales. No one ever wakes up and you know says to their mom and dad, I'm going to be a salesperson. You know, No one does that. So I sort of fell into the role and I fell into it straight out of university in a big, large corporate with, with Bloomberg onto a, a large rotational program for, for graduates where you get a bit of everything. And the sales roles actually kind of spoke to me and I felt that it was something I could get passionate about, something I was maybe had a bit of beginner's luck in and, and, and tasted it and felt, oh, this is good. I think I can carry on doing this. And then I started a, a series of, of startups and, and scale-ups as a, as a salesperson and took my first leadership role. And I was, I was very lucky to, to have that opportunity with Zencargo, large startup in the logistics and digital logistics space throughout a pandemic in 2020 and, and really learned everything the hard way under two incredible leaders, one of them, the sales leader, Mark, and, and the CEO, Alex. And that gave me a lot of experience in all the stuff that you have to do as a sales leader from early stage all the way through to kind of successful fundraisers as well. I'm an addict for it. I'm a, I'm a sucker to keep doing it. Amazing. You've got the bug. And super interesting. I, I wasn't actually aware that, that you had started off in Bloomberg. And a good friend of mine who I actually studied with a long way back was Alfie Marsh. He actually started his sales career at Bloomberg as well and then transitioned in into startups. Curious as well, like, you know, you start off in, in Bloomberg. What was it that attracted you to fast growth earlier stage? businesses you know what was it that, that kind of led you down down that path do you think maybe an accident I'm glad it was a happy accident I would say and just on Bloomberg as a whole amazing training ground like for, for anyone coming out of university or anyone who wants to learn about a sales process in a, in a big corporate but also get a get a lot of experience of meeting some big customers as well and enterprise level customers I was there for I think about four four and a half years and I started to get a, a personal sense of you know what else can I do what else can I achieve? Here I'm, you know, one of maybe a thousand salespeople. What if I was just one salesperson or a team of two or three? How would that work and what would happen? So I sort of fell in into that role. I got headhunted into a shipping tech startup that was selling a financial software 
it didn't work out. It wasn't the right move at that point, but I, I stuck at it for to, for nine months. Learned a lot of craft about how to be an SDR and an AE at the same time and do everything, do the full 360 on your own. And then I went into another company, which again was a scale-up stage, but they only had two salespeople and I was one of them. And a product that had great fit, but they didn't have many clients. And it was a green field approach. You know, you could go after anything. It's just about getting the deals in, getting the brand out there, getting people knowing who you are and using the product. And over the four years that I spent with them, which is a company called Board Intelligence, I really started to hone the sales skills. And I worked under an incredible commercial director, a chap called Tom Robbins, who, who taught me a lot, actually. And we used to go out on, on day trips to, to Europe and book up the diary with a whole bunch of meetings and then sit on the plane home or, or, or dinner, reflecting back on what could have gone better in some of those meetings, what I did well, and really started to learn about effective sales processes and frameworks and how you apply them to deals, how you apply them to cycles. And that's probably the first time that I realized sales isn't just an art. Like You don't have to just be a good speaker and a presenter and know how to handle people. There's a lot of science behind it and a lot of psychology behind it as well. And that got me really interested. And I've tried to kind of keep that level of knowledge and experience into everything I do now and try and reflect onto my team as well. So they understand that if I follow this playbook or this process, it's because of these reasons and this is the science behind it, but I have to bring my art and my flair to it as well. That got me really thinking about all the stuff, different things around sales, which, uh, which aren't just, hey, this is how you present and this is how you talk and this is how you ask questions. Yeah. And I imagine in an earlier stage environment, like you said, when you're only, when you are the, literally the only salesperson or one of a very small team, you have a greater opportunity to put your, your flair on it and your own footprint into how it evolves, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you start to be the blueprint for future salespeople as well that come into the team and join the team, but you want to leave something that is repeatable for them as well. So it's not just like, oh, John knows how to do that one thing. We'll just let John do it. It's more about understanding, okay, what is John doing? Why is it working? And how can we replicate it for everyone else? Is there a process? Is there something that they're following that's different? What have they done that the prospects reacted to in a certain way? And how can we understand that? And then if you can replicate that and create a blueprint in an early stage environment, that's the beginning foundations of your playbook and your frameworks and methodologies. So it's always nice to kind of be the person in a startup when you're just the AE, someone comes to you, joins, says, hey, can you teach me how you, how you did that thing? Or why did you ask that question? How does that work? So it's quite humbling as well to think that people want to copy you, but I never thought I was doing something that was brilliant. It just seemed to work. So we just replicated it. And then all the other salespeople that joined the company started doing the same thing. Yeah, it's super interesting. One of the things I'm always so curious about is how the skills and tactics that got you to where you are in one organization aren't necessarily going to get you to where you were or where you could be in, in the next organization, right? How do you think about the transition that you've made between those different businesses throughout your career, Nasri? And are there certain characteristics or attributes that, that, that the high performers have in common that you've seen play out? What are some, some kind of nuances? Yeah, absolutely right. I don't think you can take a cookie cutter and, and, and apply it to every different business or, or skill set. But you're right, there are probably some common attributes that you should be taking up with you. And for me, that drills down to being customer centric in your approach. So understanding that everything you're doing, everything your product does is for the customer, you know, and it's just back to basics of sales. Like what is the outcome that my customer is trying to achieve? What's the value that we're giving them? Why would they buy this thing in the first place? And then honing your messaging around it. So I think that's the first thing that you should be taking anywhere. And it's a kind of, you can copy and paste that across because there's various value frameworks that you can use, messaging frameworks that you can use to help you answer that question. 
And then the other one that I use a lot and, and bring across everything is in any sales cycle, any sales process, you have to continuously qualify. And it's not just qualification, a kind of early stage and early funnel. It's qualification all the way through. And the skill sets and, and toolkits that you can use to do that apply to everything. Something as basic as sending an agenda ahead of every touch point, but with a clear kind of outcome of why we're having this meeting. So if we fast forwarded 30 minutes, what would it look like? What do we want you to make as a decision, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect at the end of it, and how we're going to help you get there? And then never leaving a call without the next step booked. You know, all those basics, you can apply to anything. But um, also with frameworks, I think with methodologies, you know, Medic, Spiced, Challenger, all of these can be kind of applied, but you have to tweak them for the audience you're selling to. Because selling to bankers or financial institutions isn't the same as selling to someone who's an e-commerce director or someone who manages a warehouse or a logistics business. So you have to have the right frameworks and approach, but tailor that messaging to the individuals and the personas. So I think it's just the basics that good salespeople and salespeople in general know and understand. Yeah, it sounds like what you're describing there is just like some really solid fundamentals, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I take those fundamentals with me to any playbook that I build or any approach. So whether it's how to plan a call, how to do an account plan for a targeted approach, how to build a you know route to values or mutual engagement plans, and how to understand the value you're driving. But all of those are pretty common for me. And you know, any salesperson that's worked with me or, or has seen me in action will know that's my approach. And it's just about tailoring that the messages for the value that you're delivering on the product you're selling. Let's talk now, Nazari, around Hakodo. I mean, it's been yeah. a, a really fast-paced and exciting journey for you so far. So far. I mean, for those listening to this, I mean, how would you summarize what Hakodo is and, and the vision of Hakodo and what, what you're bringing to the world? I summarize it with four words. Sell more, get paid. So that's what we help people do. Whether it's a merchant or as an e-commerce platform, someone who's selling machinery or construction or someone who's selling crafts and homewares and and goods we help them be able to sell to their buyers with instant flexible payment options at the point of sale allowing them to make sure that they convert at checkout that buyers buy and buy on their terms but also that they get paid and there's no risk in that transaction at all so effectively as a consumer we're all used to it you know we want to be able to buy today, get it delivered tonight or tomorrow at latest, make sure it's in stock and then pay for it on our terms. I want to be able to use my credit card if I want or PayPal or Amazon Pay. And those trends are kind of moving into into the ways businesses transact with each other. Businesses have always bought on payment terms, but it's a broken process today. So it's always been a whether you fill out a form, submit an application, goes to the FD or finance team and they approve it. All of that can take a couple of days and Hokoto makes it happen in under milliseconds. Amazing. And what I find fascinating about so much of what you've just spoken about there, you know, like consumerization of B2B, and it's been a a trend for the last three to five years at least, right? But it really feels like we've arrived, like users, whether we're using tool in our everyday BAU work lives, or whether we're using a tool outside of work, we we have a level of experience of what a good experience looks like now, right? An expectation. An expectation. Exactly right. It feels like, you you know, that model of, of buy now, pay later is obviously with the likes of Klarna and taken off in the consumer world and a booming e-commerce environment. Definitely. And it feels like there's been such an opportunity for so long in B2B. It kind of feels like one of those obvious ideas, doesn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. And I, I always look now at the 
kind of competition that we're up against. There's probably a new one every week or month that comes up. And, you know, imitation is should be humbling that other people are also seeing the opportunity and coming into the market and, and trying to get their fair share. Absolutely, there's enough to go around. Um, but it's always about how do we differentiate and how do we make sure we, we deliver the right thing. But your point around consumerism and being there, it was right for disruption. I think when Louis, Richard and Sammy, the co-founders of Hakoda, kind of put the idea together, I think Richard scrutinized it for a long time, thinking, no, surely someone's doing this. Surely someone is doing this. And it turned out when he founded the company, no, no one was. So it was prime opportunity to come in and disrupt the way of working in, in, in B2B trade. Amazing. And the best ideas so often are like that. Talk us through the journey, you know, leading a revenue organization or trying to get to like a million ARR and your kind of seed stage. That's very different to then blitz scaling or whatever you want to call it once you get your A. <laughs> Absolutely. That's also quite different from then figuring out how you go from 10 to 100 kind of post A round. So yeah, talk us through like, where was the business at when, when you joined and what were some of like the first things that you did when you, when you stepped in? When I first joined, it was evident, and this is, this is crucial for me as a, as a salesperson and the type of businesses I like to work with, but the product market fit was quite clear. They had found it. And as soon as the business finds it and can prove that they've closed X amount of partnerships, started with this amount of customers because of the same kind of value reasons, that's when you know you've got the sales product market fit. And then the next aspect of product market fit is, well, what are the customers seeing as value back three months, six months, nine months later? And all of that was starting to show itself within, within the company. You know, we got over to a million ARR when I joined. We're now at two or more. We had two salespeople that were having conversations and getting you know, meetings and people were resonating in terms of their outreach. And they'd closed a few biggish deals and, and a few were in the funnel. So I knew, okay, if we just turn the knobs up a little bit, we can now scale this. Like it's ready for scale. Some of the key indicators that we look for are there. So when I joined those two salespeople, one SDR that was just in his first kind of month or so and already getting a lot of traction on the phone and getting meetings and getting the interest. So the first thing I started to look at was, okay, what is the overall framework and methodology we want to use as a business? As a sales team, what do we want to be known for? And how can we apply the right framework to this type of sales process and for our customers? And it was evident that we needed a customer-centric approach because of the revenue model. It wasn't a transactional sale. It wasn't a one-off sale. It was something that would extend through a long kind of ramp period and see ROI change and grow over the course of the relationship with the customer. So we applied the SPICE framework, which I'm a big fan of now. And I hadn't played with it too much before I joined Hakoda, but after a few uh, conversations with some mentors, they convinced me that's the one I should go for. Um, and no looking back now. It's, uh, I think it's one of, the, one of the best ones I've, I've ever seen. And next aspect around framework and methodology was how do you start building something that if a new SDR comes in or a new account exec comes in, that they can pick up and start to see results quite quickly. So it was all about building the playbooks. Great, build a playbook, put it all together and have everyone come in and look at it. Great, great. That's nice. It works. Okay. But then if you hire someone, you can't just give them the playbook and say, well, we'll see you in three months. Uh, good luck here's the phone, here's, here's LinkedIn, here's your email, you have to onboard them. And onboarding is all about building the right steps, the right training, the right guidance, some self-learning, but also making sure that they're taking in the information and practicing in the right way. So you've got to put some tests or some accreditations on the back of it as well. So that was built throughout the onboarding. And then the right tooling had to come in. Okay, so we've got all these great frameworks, we've got all these accounts that we can kind of go after and target. How do we know if we're doing the right thing? Or how can we tell in the future if we're going to 
hit our target. So getting a right CRM in place, making sure we were coaching each other on calling with the right call intelligence and making sure we had the right data enrichment. So we had mapped out our time and had the right account allocation and process and understanding our lead life cycle. So all of that came in. And then we had to hire the right people. So if you think about everything I've just described, there's probably about four or five key components there, which is the organization and talent that people were trying to hire, the productivity, the toolings, the sales execution in terms of what they're doing and how they're doing it, and the go-to-market strategy. And all of that, if you can start building your components and subcomponents from there, that's the start of building your sales machine or your sales engine or, or your growth engine or whatever you want to call it. And that's the way I dissect any scale-up or startup that I would start to work with or join is understanding what components do we need to focus on in our growth machine. I love it. I think it's in a, a really solid blueprint. I'd love to to take it back just to that kind of go-to-market execution and the methodology mm-hmm. side. If you wouldn't mind just talking us through Spiced, I mean, for those who are part of Pavilion, there's been a lot of noise, a lot spoken about Spice. I've, I've attended yeah. a couple of leadership sessions myself on the methodology. Yeah. For leaders who are out there who are perhaps still you know, sticking to a medic or which is not too dissimilar. I mean, it's not too how, dissimilar would you, at all. how would you get the community thinking about Spiced and the kind of key differences? And, you know, is it just as applicable if you're selling only to SMB mid-market as it is to, to enterprise? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me just say I'm a big medic fan as well. So Andy, I love medic. If you hear me talk about Spice, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm still a medic fan. <laughs> but with, with Spice, why I kind of leaned towards it a bit more was based on the fact that it's a methodology that can apply not just to sales and SDR, but all the way through to customer success as well, because of that repeated value, improving the value past kind of a contract signature and past kind of an implementation milestone. It's actually looking at the value through QBRs and MBRs, et cetera. So some of the main differentials between kind of Medic and Spice is that Spice tries to identify or help you identify what's a critical or compelling event within the prospect journey. And some of the clients that we work with they're either going for a fundraise themselves, they're either kind of expanding into new markets and territories, they're launching new products, new websites, and all of that is a compelling event for them. It's something that they're working towards. And with our questioning and our approach, we can identify if Hakoda as a solution should be part of that compelling event or should be helping them get to it. So that's one of the kind of key differentiators that it looks at. And also in terms of metrics which obviously are in medic and you say well how is this going to be measured in three months or how are you going to measure your decision what spice turns that on or expands on it more is looks at the impact to say okay if you had a, a solution like this what are the impacts you're going to be looking for and in our in our, our world it's all about you know increased revenue for the for the merchant that's using us increasing their conversion rates at checkout avoiding kind of lost baskets or abandoned baskets and all of that can then drive towards that compelling event that they're trying to achieve as well so it kind of overlays itself across medic i mean you can use them side by side even and you'll see that they work together but the key thing for us was it extends past that revenue model that works for hakoda any particular resources you'd recommend naz in terms of listeners that want to find out more information on spice anything that was really helpful to you personally when you were rolling it out Yeah, Winning by Design. It's their methodology. It's their framework. They've got some resources on their YouTube channel. And I believe they've got a couple of lengthy white papers that for a sales geek like me, you can go in there, you can go and digest and get a lot more information out of it. I probably butchered the explanation, by the way. Their white paper is going to do a much better job than me. Yeah, I think it was pretty good from the research I've been doing. And I'll just add to that as well. I think Yako, the CEO, has also got a really good tweet thread that summarizes it quite nicely. 
Absolutely, yeah. Moving on from Spice, you spoke then around figuring out onboarding, right? Yeah. And getting that experience for sellers joining your team. You know, you've sold the vision to them during the recruitment process. You now want to make sure they have a, an effective exactly. first 30, 60, 90. Talk us through, I mean, how, how do you think about the fundamentals of a good onboarding program and anything that's that's worked particularly well for you so far this year? For me, the way I've looked at it is really just focusing on understanding that they need to have knowledge of the product and the solution so they can get passionate about it and start to build their own talk tracks around it. Understanding the business as a whole. So how does Hakodo operate? Who are all the key stakeholders? What are all the teams? What's the mission and vision and purpose of Hakodo as well? Because we're the first face that people see. So we need to be able to talk about, well, why does Hakodo exist? And what problems are we solving? And why are we out there? And then obviously teaching them some of the frameworks and the methodologies. So we get a consistent way of selling across the team, but then allow everyone to bring, like I said at the beginning, their own art and their own flair as well. So those are probably the key core components that I look at. And then there's deep dive sessions into each one of those. So for example, we can take a whole two hour session just on discovery and how to run a best practice discovery call. And what are the questions you should be asking, which are the sales related discovery questions, but also what should we be discovering from a Hakoda perspective? Because discovery is two ways. Are we a fit for you and are you a fit for us? And we've got to kind of qualify some of that quite early on. So we don't waste a prospect's time and we don't invest time in the wrong deals. And then it's all good training and kind of running a session every week and two weeks, but you've got to do some accreditation. So whether that's a role play, which is scored and quizzed, actually filling out kind of a, a questionnaire or multiple choice test or exam, or I've got a few where we ask them to submit Loom videos or, or video videos of them speaking or explaining things to make sure that they've understood it. So all of that encompassed together takes for AEs takes about eight to nine weeks. And there's milestones that they graduate out of each kind of section. And then for the SDRs, it takes about four weeks for them to go through the whole onboarding before they've started to, to kind of graduate out of it. But it doesn't mean they don't do the day job until nine weeks or 10 weeks. Part of it is actually on the job learning as well, whether it's a mix of shadowing, running their discovery calls with me on the call with mm -hmm. them, going back and watching them together through our kind of call recording and intelligence software. And making sure that they've got all the guidance that they need to be able to be successful and be successful quicker. Yeah, I love it. One of the key challenges that we're hearing at the moment from the market is around remote onboarding. And obviously for mm -hmm. the past two years, we've had to kind of figure it out as we go. Yeah, for sure. Still seems to be a really common pain point. And a lot of sales leaders are still feeling feeling the pressure, you know, they're feeling the kind of burden and a bit of risk when they're making particularly more junior hires. How have you dealt with that? And you know, I'm sure yourself as a sales leader scaling out this team this year, you've You've experienced a bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a sales leader, it's probably all I've known, actually. Because when I when I started to do my first kind of leadership roles with Zencargo in 2020 and 2021, we were the height of kind of lockdown and pandemic and, and remote working. And I onboarded, I think, five or six A's at the beginning of 2021, between January and March, fully remote. And I didn't actually ever get to meet them face to face until the summer of that year when we first came out of lockdown. So that's how long we were working together without seeing face to face, a common challenge everyone had. But I think one of the key things for onboarding, it's not the fact that you want to make sure they've done the training and they've done the test and they've learned this. It's you want to make sure that they're okay because they're, you know, they're more frightened than we are. It's a new company for them. It's a new experience, it's a new job. And they're going through these tests and exams and worrying, well, what if I fail or I don't actually know the answer. I don't know who to ask. You know, I need, I need a bit more help. So it's more that you're worrying about whether they're okay and how you can support them. So a couple of things that I've found work really well is to have a very brief, short stand-up at the beginning of every day. 
as an AE team. So everyone can just talk about what they're focused on today and what support they would need. And that's the prime opportunity for someone to say, hey, I've got my discovery accreditation in the afternoon. Hey, hey, Jim, do you mind just helping me practice this morning just before I go into it? If you build that culture of everyone's there to succeed, succeed together, you'll find them helping each other. So I find that I get a bit more bandwidth. I'm not having to worry. And the rest of the team are taking some accountability for the success of their colleagues too. And then just having regular check-ins at the end of every onboarding week to recap everything that we've learned. If anything's unclear, what do we want to spend a bit more time on in the following week? And kind of guiding ahead to say, well, in week three, we've got these are trainings and these tests. And here's everything, all the resources we need together to prep. So it's just really about signposting in the right way. I love it. And Nazio, I know from our previous conversations, you're a massive champion of professional development and developing Absolutely. your teams. And I know it's something Absolutely. that you, you care really deeply about. For some of the sales leaders listening to this, you know, you've taken us through the four-step framework there. And you know, that, that onboarding approach is so robust. But there's probably listeners are sitting at home probably thinking, when does this guy sleep? I mean, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> is there any sequencing in terms of those four pillars when, you, when it comes to things like methodology and playbook, onboarding, hiring and, and tooling? I mean, did you think in your head a kind of ordering or, or are you literally trying to tackle everything, everything at once? Uh, the honest answer is, yeah, you're trying to tackle everything at once. And I always joke with, with other people who are doing the same role in the same, same business that as a VP of sales or a sales leader in any startup, you're not just the sales leader, you're, you're the SDR leader, you're the SDR, your sales enablement, your sales operations, your rev ops, you're doing everything. Kind of, you've got to be able to master and try and get all the building blocks in place. So yeah, yeah sleep is, is something that's very rare, but it's extremely important for anyone who does this role to make sure they've built the right foundations. Because if you start to scale a playbook, and a way of doing things, but you haven't thought ahead 10 steps to, well, can we do this when we're 100 salespeople and we've got you know multi-million quarterly targets? And if you don't think those steps ahead and you start to build stuff that you have to change and chop and change every time, then you're going to fail. And it's about building the right process at the right time. Now, people listening might just think, well, he's just making this up now as he goes along, but oh, that's not possible. You can't do that. But you can. You just got to think about where you are today in your business. Think three quarters ahead in terms of what do I need to have at the end of this year or in Q3 or in Q4? And what is what I'm doing today going to be sustainable for that in that period of time? And if it's not, go back and just go back to the drawing board and just think again, well, what else can I tweak here? What else can I change here? Like I'm confident now with our playbook, the multitude of it doesn't need to change in terms of the frameworks and the methodologies. What will change is the customer learnings that we get, the stories that we get, the proven value that we see over the deploying it consistently. The onboarding, absolutely, that's going to change because there's going to be new things that we need to learn. And all the AEs need to go back and do it again. But the core values and the pillars that are in there, they're not going to change. Listening to you talk about that evolution there, Nasri, it almost sounds like you're talking about the, the lean startup approach to building and scaling startups, right? It's like you do the things that don't scale in the early days. Yeah. You get early bits, pieces of feedback along the way, yeah. you iterate and you test and learn. And then, and then once you find a really solid fit with it, be it the playbook or the onboarding process gets great feedback and ramp times are looking good, then you figure out ways to scale. Yeah. Kind of leads me on to my next question, which was to talk about your emerging tech stack and mm-hmm. how are you thinking about tooling? You know, is it that you've done a lot of stuff in the early days that's manual that you've needed to be there for and handhold? Yeah. What 
kind of tooling are you starting to look at in terms of helping you amplify your your impact and and scale your time? Oh, that's RevOps's problem now, not mine. <laughs> just just kidding, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Of course, no. So I think the first bits of tooling that I think are, are critical is having some form of call intelligence. Like number one, you need it because if you're going in blind and you don't know what customers are saying, you don't know how to handle certain rejections, you can't teach other people how to do certain things, without it, you're blind. But also in a scale-up and a startup, what it's really proven its value for is being able to share those snippets with product, with tech, with customer success, with founders, because founders want to be in every meeting, but they can't be in every meeting, but they want to know what everyone's saying and how it's all going. So being able to have those snippets and share with them builds a confidence, not only in the product and the tech and everything, but builds a confidence in the process too, that it's working. So I think that's one of the key solutions that any, any startup sales organization needs. Obviously, aligning on a good CRM. I'm not a fanboy of any particular one, but I think at certain stages, there's more appropriate CRMs than at other stages. But being able to use those yourself as a sales leader to build out and map your process is critical. And then anything that gives you TAM mapping, anything that allows you to find prospects, accounts, build out your cadences and your sequences in an effective manner, make sure you're fully mapping the market and looking at how it changes and chops over the course of the quarters and the years is crucial. And again, that's something that will scale with you as, as you grow and, and continue. And then kind of phase two, once you're into kind of series B and onwards, it's all the other stuff that, that we see now, like direct sends and direct mailing software that's going to be really critical for the way businesses operate. Increasing things around gamification in sales, whether it's kind of how many deals have we done, how many calls has this person made and putting making a bit more fun and making some gamification around it. And then, of course, finally, RevOps and analytics. Like how are the unit metrics performing? How is the pipeline performing? Where are our gaps? Where are our blind spots? And what can we be doing to improve them? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Nazir, I'm actually super spoiled in getting to host this this podcast because I get to spend 30 minutes with intelligent, smart, successful sales leaders like yourself. For oh, the listeners you. to this show, I mean, if they're not already connected with you, like where can I find out more information on you or Hokodo? Please, yeah, hop on to LinkedIn. Give me a connection request. We're more than happy to chat about anything. Hokodo is simply hokodo.co and I'm Nazri at hokodo.co. It's nice and easy to find us. And catch me on Pavilion Slack as well. More than happy to connect there too. Amazing. Nazri, really enjoyed the conversation today. Looking forward to, to implementing some of the principles that you've taught us on today's show. Matt, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Catch you soon, Nazri. See you soon. Take care. By uncovering blind spots on performance, motivation and skills, UHubs helps busy sales leaders at top SaaS companies to optimize their sales enablements so that they can develop reps and grow revenue. The UHubs Pulse platform visualizes each team's development needs, personalized upskilling, and provides data-driven coaching recommendations. These save sales managers 40 plus hours per quarter and help reps to ramp up 30% faster. Supercharge your sales team by booking a demo today.